Welcome to the Northeast Christian Podcast. We're so excited that you've decided to check out our weekly messages. We hope that you're challenged and inspired by what you're hearing today. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at one of our campuses or online at northeast.live. For more information on Northeast, visit us at necchurch.org. If you love the Northeast podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or a rating in the Apple Podcast Store. All right. Well, uh, welcome back. For those of you who uh, were here last week, you know, we began a series uh, called Intentional Parenting. And uh, I've been excited to preach this for some time, but just in terms of recap, we always hesitate just a little bit doing a series on parenting for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you can look around the room and you can tell there's not, you know, a room full of just parents here. There's a lot of people in here who aren't parents. Maybe some of you are young and unmarried, or maybe some of you are married, just haven't had kids yet. Uh, you know, it's, maybe some of you have chosen not to have kids and, you know, you're keeping your sanity way better than those of us who have. Uh, you know, for, for some of you, you uh, you'd like to have kids, but you can't for whatever reason. And, and that can be incredibly difficult. I understand that. So coming to a sermon series like this can kind of feel like salt in the wound. Or, uh, you know, like we said last week, we have a strong high school contingent and you're like, we're coming to a series called Intentional Parenting, what, what does that have anything to do with us, Tyler? Well, like I said last week, I'm just telling you, you should be taking notes in this series more so than any because you can go home and hold your parents accountable to this. You can say when they start getting sideways, start getting a little froggy, you know, just well, the pastor said, mommy, the pastor said that, and you can nail them with it. I'm just saying it's perfect tactic. So it, my dad was a preacher. That was my favorite thing. Well, you said, dad. Okay, so some, and Palmer will play that card on me someday, right? But um, in reality, wherever you're at on the parenting spectrum, I want you to know that the largest demographic in this church, and this is a good thing, the largest demographic in this church are parents with kids in the home. So we just feel like we have to talk about this on a regular basis. Now, here's what else we know, and this makes us kind of hesitate doing the series, but it's all right. Um, uh, we also know that this room is full of parents whose kids have grown up. You have adult kids, they've flown the nest, and you've already screwed them up, and there's no hope for them anymore, right? So like a series like this kind of makes you feel guilty. Now, here's, here's what I'll tell you. You have screwed your kids up. You have. Because that's what sinners do. Have you read the stories in the Bible of the biblical heroes and how terrible they were at family? Like start with Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel and run it all the way through like Solomon and his harem and you'll realize really quick that the Bible families were a way bigger mess than your family was. Yes, even your family. So like, here's what you realize. When you start getting you know, comfortable with the biblical story, you realize that if you're gonna parent well, you need a lot of God's grace and he's got a lot of grace. And you also need God's power and he has a lot of power, but he needs your availability. So the heart of this series is that, again, you never graduate from parenting. It's never too early or too late to be intensely intentional as a parent. And I believe that if you'll put your heart in a place whether you're a parent or not or old or young or somewhere in between, God has something for you in this series. He can't. A lot of these principles are translatable across relationships. So I hope you'll have an open heart to it and you'll learn. Now, this week, this week, we are going to be incredibly practical uh, with, with the sermon. Last week was theological. Last week was 
inspirational. This week, it's, it's practical. And here's my goal. The goal today is to help you catch a vision for what uh, values you desire to bestow on your kids and then develop a plan for it. I wanna help you catch a vision for the values you desire to bestow on your kids and then develop a plan for it. So if you are here normally for my sermons, you know that at the end of every sermon, I do like a homework time. Here's your homework, I'll say. I'll give you something to take home for the week. Well, this week, I'm not waiting till the end. I'm gonna give you your homework at the beginning. Like the whole sermon is just your homework this week. It's a lot of homework. And again, your homework is gonna focus on three things. You can put it up there. One, I wanna help you catch a vision as a parent. Two, I wanna help you identify those key values, those key hopes that you have for your kids, like define parental success. And then three, we're gonna develop a plan on the ground. All right, now listen, this process, by the way, vision, values, plan, it is important in any endeavor in life. You do this at work. We do this at church with spiritual formation. You do this if you're still in school. You do this at the gym. You do this with your personal finances. And you can even do it with parenting. The goal here is to actually imagine a preferred future that you want and then just build a plan towards it on the ground. I want to run a marathon in a year. Okay, great. That's a vision. And you better develop a plan to get yourself there. Because if you just roll out of bed a year from now full of hopeful optimism, you're going to find something out about mile two. (laughs) I want to retire by the time I'm 60. Okay, that's a plan, a great plan. Go for it. You're 35. You got about 25 years to do something. What what sort of sacrifices are you going to make between now and then to get there? I want my small business to double its revenue over the next five years. Big vision. Go for it, right? But you better come up with some strategic initiatives over the next five years to operationalize that because wishful thinking is not a plan. You get the point? You get the point. Okay, catch a vision, identify values, develop a plan is so important. I think a solid vision, by the way, gives you direction. And if you don't have direction, then you know what we tend to do as human beings? We tend to just drift. If you don't have direction, you drift through life rather than deciding into the future. You basically become a victim to whatever people or circumstances are around you. Now, I have found that it is much, much easier to drift through life than to decide and direct your way through life. You see, okay, you know what direction requires? Direction requires reflection. Direction requires wisdom. Direction requires discipline persistence and self-control. But drifting, well, all you have to do to drift through life is whatever you want. And that ain't that hard. And that's not the kind of life you wanna live. Anyways. Now, I think this is exactly what happens in parenting though. Like deep down inside, all of us wanna raise sons and daughters of consequence in the kingdom of God. We want them to contribute to society. We want them to lead with love. But if we never take the time to like articulate our vision for them, those values, and then make a plan to shepherd them in that direction, then you know who ends up winning at the end of the day? Netflix. 
Literally, at the end of the day, Netflix wins because you're tired and it's so easy to just turn on a screen and hand them one as well. If you don't have a plan, you know who wins? Normal. Normal wins. Whatever is normal for people in your neighborhood or people in your family or people in your wealth bracket, that's just the well-worn pathway that you'll fall into and you'll raise your kids that way. If you don't have a plan, you know who wins? Work. Work, because work has a way of getting on your calendar and parenting has a way of getting the leftovers. If you don't have a plan, you know who will win? Culture. Popular culture will win because our culture doesn't rest. Quick call back to last week. Your kids are being inundated nonstop by competing false gospels in classes at school and shows on TV and 24-7 breaking news and articles online and influencer posts on Instagram or TikTok theology videos in celebrity commencement speeches and throwaway comments from their friends at school. Our popular culture is normalizing a moral vision that is far from the Christian way and it's the relentless background noise of your kid's life. So if you don't have a plan to disciple your kids, someone else will. Okay, so look, peppy talk over. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk, appreciate it. But I, I'm just wanna, I just wanna challenge everyone, catch a vision, to, to see the preferred future for your kids, to envision your son or your daughter, a leader of consequence in the kingdom of God, and then start shepherding them in that direction today. It's one of the great callings of your life. Now, I'm gonna help you do that. I'm gonna help you do that right now. I'm actually gonna walk you with the rest of our time through four worksheets that we've developed for the parents in the room this week. Now I'm gonna go through these worksheets pretty quickly today, okay? Each one of these for you should probably take a day or two of prayer at home, all right? Um, you can find them, by the way, they're already up. You can find them on the homepage of our website. If you go to nechurch.org, that's our website, you see a picture of it, and you scroll to the bottom of the homepage, you'll see a little section called Recent Messages, all right? And it has our recent messages there. On the far left, Intentional Parenting, Vision, Values, Plan. You see where it says that? If you click that, it'll take you to the page that will hold that sermon. Now, the sermon's not posted yet because I'm preaching it right now. It'll be posted up there tomorrow. But already there, you see in the center of that page, the little rectangle there? Already there, it says, click to download worksheets. And right there, you can find all four worksheets that I'm gonna walk through. I'm gonna challenge you, in community with your small group, in community with your spouse, in community with your mentors, or your close friends, I'm gonna challenge you to, to just make a plan over the next month to, to work through these, all right? Okay, so let's, uh, let's walk through the worksheets here. That's the sermon today. Here's your homework. First, exercise number one. Uh, it all starts with vision, starts with vision. Um, so five years ago, at, uh, at one of our board retreats. Uh, we actually went through this exercise with, uh, with, with our board. We basically wanted to take some time for spiritual formation and envision where we wanted our kids to be someday. So um, I led them through this exercise. It's an exercise that I saw in Stephen Covey's book, a book called The Seven Habits of Effective People. Anybody read this book by Covey, by the way? Okay, so it's a good book, it's a good book. Um, and the exercise is called The Funeral Exercise. Anybody ever heard of The Funeral Exercise before? Okay, so um, here's what Covey writes. Covey asks his readers, in your mind's eye, I want you to see yourself going to the funeral 
of a loved one. Picture yourself driving to the funeral home or chapel, parking the car and getting out. As you walk inside the building, notice the flowers, notice the soft organ music. You see the faces of friends and family as you pass along the way. You feel the shared sorrow of losing, the joy of having known that radiates from the hearts of the people there. Then he writes this, he says, as you walk to the front of the room and you look inside the casket, you suddenly, and here's the twist, he says, you suddenly come face to face with yourself. This is your funeral, 10 years from today. And all these people have come to honor you, to express feelings of love and appreciation for your life. Now, are you mentally there? It's a morbid place to go, right? But you gotta go there for, just for the sake of this exercise. You there? Okay, now here's the assignment. He says, I want you to imagine that your kids then stand to speak about what your life meant to them. And I want you to write down the eulogy that you hope they share. What kind of parents do they say you were? What special memories do they have of you? What truths did they learn from you? How did they describe your character? What difference did you make in their lives? Eulogize yourself, he says, from the perspective of your kids. That's the funeral exercise. And look, I know this sounds like a bit dark. It is, it kind of is, right? But wow, it is powerful. On the board retreat, grown men crying, like pe people couldn't get through it. It was so deeply personal and moving. It, the reason why is because the exercise just allows you to gain clarity about what really matters to you as a parent in the end. Some of the, the board members had adult kids. Some of them had kids in the home. Some of them had grandbabies. It didn't matter for every single one of them. It's of great value and importance. So this week, there's your homework. I want you to start by doing this exercise and it's gonna help you catch a big vision for this. All right, now, let me let you in on something, okay? That I just noticed listening to several of them read uh, the eulogies from their, their kids' perspective, all right? This is what I noticed, all right? In all of their letters, not once did they have their kids say, we well, you know, Dad, I so admired how you put in 80-hour work weeks all the time. Not once did they say, Mom, you were the sales leader for 20 consecutive quarters, a record still unbroken. Wow. Not once did they say, Dad, Thanks to you, I'm incapable of saying I'm sorry. I can win every argument. <laughs> Not once did they say, Mom, thanks for giving in every night and allowing me to stay up late, eat sugar, and watch shows. <laughs> no, okay, in their letters, believe it or not, they had their kids thanking them for parenting, like actually parenting them. Aren't you thankful that your parents parented you. They had their kids thanking them for passing down wisdom, for loving their spouse, for sacrificing personal ambition to be at home. Their kids celebrated virtues like holiness, servanthood, generosity, humility, and courage. They had their kids remembering family vacations and mission trips and epic adventures that they went on together. And most importantly, in all the letters, they envisioned their kids praising them for making parenting a higher uh, priority than work 
and making Jesus the number one priority for their family. Not one kid said, Mom, thanks for letting me skip church all those weeks for travel ball. It was always, thank you for teaching and modeling Jesus. It's the greatest gift a parent could give. It was beautiful. And, uh, and what gives this exercise so much power is it forces you to catch a vision of the end and begin parenting with the end in mind. You discover your definition for parental success really, really fast. And this week, I want you to start there. That's exercise number one, the funeral exercise. You got it? It's in the worksheet packet. Okay, now, while this exercise is good, uh, the problem is that the vision you establish in it is a 50,000-foot vision. You can see the big picture really, really well, but it's hard to tell what's going on down on the ground. So worksheet number two, this is another vision exercise, but it helps you come down a little closer to earth. I've adapted it from John Tyson's Intentional Father book. This is worksheet number two in the packet online. It's called the Leaving Home Exercise. The Leaving Home Exercise. And can you anticipate where this one's going? Can you anticipate it? Okay, so in this one, uh, I'm going to ask you to envision the day that your kid flies the nest, the day that you launch them into adulthood. Uh, for some of you, you don't have to imagine it because it just happened last week. You dropped them off at college or you set them up in their new apartment or you put them on an airplane and they flew across the country or went off to the military, whatever it may be. It's a day that's coming for all of us. At some point, it'll be here Sooner than you think, it's going to happen. Now, quick sidebar. Normally, I hate thinking about sad things like this because it's just sad, okay? It's sad. Uh, if there's one thing, in fact, that annoys me a bit about older parents and that I would rebuke in the older parents in this room, it's, it's the rite of passage that you feel like you have to say to all of us younger parents awful things like, don't blink, Before you know it, they'll be gone. Oh, man. Days are, was the days are long, but the years are short. Enjoy it while it lasts. It's just awful. Okay, I know you're sad. I know you're sad, all right? But just because you're sad doesn't mean I have to be sad, all right? Find a better way to cope. Get some therapy. Do some yoga. Connect with God. We've got a whole series on that from earlier this year you can find online. We get it, okay? The days, or so. Nor, normally, I'm like, let's leave the sadness. Let's leave the sadness. But today, we just got to grapple with it for a moment. There's, there's nothing you can do to stop it, but you can prepare for it. You can prepare for it. So, back to the vision, all right? As you send off your adult kid, I want you to pretend that you feel that, that sadness, the end of an era, right? But I also want you to pretend that you feel confident. You have prepared them well. You've developed in them the knowledge, the skills, the competencies, the characters that you think they need to thrive in life. All right, go, go there mentally. Here's the assignment. Articulate why. Why? Why do you feel confident? What have you done to prepare them? Now on the worksheet, you can see a quick snapshot of it here. I've given you four kind of categories to think about that preparation process. The knowledge you've given them, the skills you've given them, the character you've given them, and the relationships you've given them. And some particular cues. So I want you to imagine that you're on that day, your son, your daughter turns to you, and they say, thank you, mom, I know this about God because of you. I know this about life because of you. Thank you, Dad. I know this about myself 
because of you. Thank you, Mom. I can do this because of you. I got to experience that because of you. Thank you, Dad. I am this kind of person because of you. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Dad. My relationship with God is or my relationship with you is, fill in the blank, because of you. This will help get you further down the road when it comes to vision. All right, now that's exercise number two, the leaving home exercise. Again, still aimed at vision. But I'll go ahead and tell you this. If you have kids who are older than this, you can still do this exercise. You just have to envision whatever the next big milestone is. So maybe you could call it the wedding day exercise, the grandbaby exercise, the 40th birthday exercise, like whatever it is. Imagine you're walking your daughter down the aisle and she's ready. What have you done to prepare her for that? Imagine your son welcomes you back into the hospital room in order to meet your grandbaby. It's a good moment. He's ready. What have you done to prepare him for that? Imagine it's the 40th birthday and you've got the hats on and candles are lit. It's a lot of candles, right? And you're singing happy birthday and you're beaming with pride. You're beaming with pride over the woman that your daughter has become. What have you done to prepare her for that? You still do this exercise. You just you pick out the next milestone, right? All right, are you still with me here? Is this at all interesting to you? Maybe? No, okay. Let's see, for most of you, yes. So if you do these two exercises, I promise you, you'll have a vision. I'm tell, if you do these two exercises, you'll catch a vision for what you want in your kids. And now that you've caught the vision, it's time to extract from that your core values, the highest values and hopes that you have for your kids. And uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking they'll probably be pretty obvious at the end of this process, but I wanna give you a biblical framework to, to look at them. So at the top of the message, my son uh, read Luke 2.52 for us. Okay, fantastic passage. Gonna talk about it in just a second, but a real quick question. Um, after Christmas, like the infancy narratives of Jesus that we get at the beginning of Matthew and the beginning of Luke, after Christmas, what does the Bible tell us about Jesus's boyhood, about his maturation process? from turning to baby boy into a man. What do we get from that? What do we have available? Basically nothing. We have a scene in Luke 2.40 and a summary in Luke 2.52, but that's it. We have almost no biblical data on middle school Jesus. What, what cartoons did he like? Did he have pimples? Did his parents struggle getting him to wear deodorant? What was his SAT score? Did he fail the driver's test? We don't know. Apparently the Bible was not concerned with giving us that sort of information. Now, uh, you know what's funny is that about 100 to 150 years after the Bible was uh, closed, a fictional document was written on this. Did you know this? About the turn of the second to third century, late second century, uh, there was a document written called The Infancy Narratives of Thomas. It's hilarious, man. It's hilarious. So. Uh, Basically, the goal of this document was to fill in the blanks that the gospels left on young Jesus. And uh, <laughs> there's just, it's just wild. You should go Google it later today. It's not very fun reading, but you'll get to some parts. Just, okay, let me just share a few things with you. All right. Um, there's a list of crazy miracles that baby, I guess middle school Jesus does. Um, and I'll just, I just wanna highlight a few. First, um, in one of the episodes in the infancy Gospel of Thomas, uh, Jesus sculpts little birds of clay. And then he gets the idea 
that if these birds were real birds, it would be way cooler. So just like in Genesis 1, he breathes life into the dust and the birds become real birds and they flutter away. Amazing miracle. Sixth grade Jesus. <laughs> For the record, by the way, the Quran, the Quran actually attributes that miracle to Jesus. Uh, there's another time a kid knocks over a bunch of water that Jesus had collected. And back then collecting water was quite the task. So Jesus gets ticked. Apparently middle school Jesus has a bit of a temper. And so he curses the kid and the kid dies. Just drops dead. Go to hell, Jesus says. And the kid does. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He doesn't say that part. He doesn't, that's bad. Um, but, it's, but, okay, you can, you can begin to grasp what's happening here. Another one. Another time another child dies when Jesus curses him because he just bumps Jesus the wrong way. There's another time when Mary and Joseph's neighbors complain, like a get-off-the-lawn kind of complaint, and they're miraculous, uh, miraculously struck blind by Jesus. Uh, there's a couple times when Jesus is receiving lessons as a child, like piano lessons or, you know, baseball, whatever he's playing, right? And, uh, and he arrogantly starts teaching the teacher, because he's Jesus, right? Give me the chalk. You know, so there's once where he resurrects a friend uh, from the dead who falls off a roof. There's another time he heals a friend who cuts his foot with an ax. There's another time where he resurrects a dead goldfish. I, I kid you not, I don't know if it's a family pet. We could have used this power in the McKenzie household last week. May Jet, our favorite goldfish, rest in peace. The last one is my favorite though. There's one where he actually heals his brother James, like the one who wrote James, James from a snake bite. So big brother Jesus comes to the rescue. Now, for what it's worth, none of this is actually true. Not in the Bible. And there's really no point in sharing it with you uh, other than it's entertaining. And that it is, uh, it is a stark contrast to what the Bible actually gives us. You see, it was very common back then for heroes like Jesus to have legends told about their childhood in order to sort of foreshadow their greatness and uh, pump up their status. But Jesus had basically none except for one little story of 12-year-old Jesus in the temple, which is basically a story about his primary allegiance being with his father God. One little story. And one little summary, Luke 2.52. I'm gonna read it to you again. There are four categories of growth in this passage. I think they are great for every parent to focus on. I actually memorized this first when I had my first kid and it is the most common prayer I pray over my children almost daily. Luke chapter two, verse 52. The scriptures say, Jesus grew in, the numbers are mine, wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and favor with all the people. Wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with others. Wow, I think these serve as four fantastic categories when you're trying to identify the values that should matter as a parent. Wisdom, okay. What are the key truths you want them to understand about God, life, and themselves? Stature, what is critical for them to gain for their maturation, their physical development, their mental wellness, their emotional health, their family history. Favor with God. What do you want to be true of their relationship with God? And favor with others. What do you want to be true about how they relate with others? Like you 
like the opposite sex, like friends, the church, elders, authorities, enemies, etc. And also, what do you want to be true about how they contribute to society? This is activity number three. So if you can go to the next slide right here, um, this is on your worksheet, okay? The stuff that I just went through, this, this diagram right here, it's on worksheet number three. What I want you to do is I want you to take worksheet one and two where you cast a vision and I want you to start circling key concepts, circling key values and dragging it into this diagram right here and categorizing it accordingly. I think you'll find that some values rise to the top. Now, this is, is so important. Don't skip this step because the values you instill in your kids are what's actually gonna guide them through the complexities and novelties of life. The values you instill in them, that's the rudder of the ship as it travels through the storm. One day you're not going to be next to them. They're gonna be faced with life and the values you press in in that moment, they will come to life. Your values are when you look at your kids and you say, this is what the McKenzie's are about. This is what makes our family different. Hey, this is what I'm willing to get in a fight over. This is what I'm willing to go to war over. This is what I'm willing to die for, son, daughter. You should too. Your kids want that from you, trust me. They wanna see that sort of passion in your life. They wanna know what matters to us. So give it to them. Give it to them. It's your values, it's important. All right, you still with me? That's exercise number three. A lot of homework this week. A lot of homework. Hey, hold your, kid, hold your parents accountable to their homework, all right? You got a high schoolers, hold them accountable. All right, number four. It's the fourth activity. We've caught a vision, we've extracted our values. Time to operationalize it by developing a plan. All right, so in uh, most of the literature that I've read on the formation of young people, um, I've identified that there are three uh, actions, if you will, three categories of action that will help you bring the vision and values to life. Here, here are the three. Uh, small habits big moments and key relationships. How can you turn your values, those key concepts into small habits, big moments and key relationships? Small habits, these are the regular rhythms you will build into their days. Big moments, these are the memorable experiences you will plan into your year. Key relationships, these are the specific relationships you will encourage and nurture in their life. Small habits, big moments, key relationships, this is activity number four. So if you go to the next slide here, uh, what I've done is I've just taken these three action steps and put them on the diagram. And I want you to ask yourself, like get creative here. This is by the way, when it becomes so important for you to do this with your spouse, to do this with other parents, to do this with uh, you know, stepmom and dad, like to just get people together and work through this. Like seriously, just start thinking through like what are, what are some of these key concepts? We can, and what are some small habits, some small ways we can do? Well, how can we, how can we put this into some big memorable moment that will, that will deeply imprint itself on their lives? What are the relationships that our, their kids need that we need to start intentionally pressing in? It's an important part of the process. Now, uh, we are all at very, very different stages of parenting. I get that. Uh, so you're gonna have to do this your own way. But uh, I think it might help if I just give you the short version of how we're doing it right now. We're early on in the parenting process. Um, for Lindsay and I, we, uh, we wanna be intentional parents from the time our kids are born. But for us, we've really committed to kicking it into high gear the summer before our kids start school. So uh, for, for our son, Palmer, he's seven. 
uh, you know, read, read the Bible verse earlier. Uh, we, we've been running, I've had an intentional plan I've been running with him for about 18 months now. And it is intense for me, for him, I mean, I guess it probably just feels like life. It's intense for me because it requires hours every week and it has required hundreds upon thousands of dollars of investment. To be honest with you, the things that we have done, I would not have been able to do without financial support from my family. We'd have to level down the experiences a little bit, which we could have, but I'm so thankful for that support. Now, uh, here's what I want you to know. When it comes to our plan, it's not really all that complex. We have one small habit, one big moment, and one key relationship that we're focusing on right now. That's it. And it's a habit, a moment, and a relationship that sort of swallows up all of our key values. It helps bring them all to life, right? Highly strategic, but there's only one of each. So first, our our small habit. Every day, this is it. Every, every school day, every school day, Palmer and I have a devotion time. That's our small habit. And I try to never miss it. There's 180 school days last year. I probably missed maybe 10. And my wife stepped in for those. Every school day we have a devotion time. Now here's why. One of the highest values for us is that our kids are competent in the Bible. I think that if your kids are competent in the Bible, then it just takes care of a lot of other things. Like if they know the Bible, they, uh, they honor it, they like it, they enjoy it, they can navigate it, they see it as an authority in their lives, they know how to study it. It just takes care of a lot of stuff. So every morning we open the Bible, okay? This is his Bible that he read from. It's like a little NLT kid's Bible. So we open the Bible, we read it together. And what I'll do is I'll pull out a pen and I'll study it with them. I'll say, I'll say, Palmer, watch me underline this word because this is a key word here in the verse that I don't want you to miss. Watch me circle this, this concept here, son, because it's a concept that's important all throughout the Bible that I don't want you to miss. Watch me write in the margins here because this is something that I think God's saying to us right now. In a few weeks from now, I want you to be able to come back and see how God spoke to you, right? You just show them how to study the Bible and it becomes, I don't know, natural to them. We've, developed, uh, we've started developing flashcards off of it Pretty simple stuff. Here's, here's grace. Anybody want to go for it? Yeah, you don't, don't embarrass yourself. My seven-year-old could do it, but it's about grace, image of God, sin. You know, like this, we just, we'll just go through them some mornings. We've, we've gamified it. Now his four-year-old sister's jumping in too, and she's starting to get some of them. Impressed. This is the uh, devotional book that we read through. It takes about a minute to do when we get to school, like right before he gets out of the car. We read this. It's actually Melinda Jividen's devotional book. So I appreciate you letting me steal this. I stole it from her. You're not getting it back, Melinda, at least until we finish. But thank you, Melinda. Um, this is a great devotional book. It's called Indescribable, 100 Devotions About God and Science. Louis Giglio. And, uh, and I, I think that these small little deposits will pay off over time. So that's our small habit. Here's our big moment. Okay, one big moment. Every summer, we go on a discipleship trip. Now, some of you guys already know this because I had to preach on, who was here for the video weekend? Okay, so this is what happened. This summer, uh, we had a guest speaker who's supposed to preach. He got sick on Friday morning. He was like, I'm sorry, I can't preach. And uh, I didn't really feel comfortable like just asking our, you know, our staff to, to whip up a sermon in 24 hours. So I, I did. And um, I preached it in front of a camera on Saturday evening. And then we showed you the video on Sunday morning. And the reason why is because Palmer and I had our boy trip planned. And I'm sorry, I love you, but I love him. And we were not gonna cancel that trip. 
It's interesting, reflecting back on this past July, there were so many ways that I believe Satan tried to derail that trip. It's my two cents. We drew a line in the sand. We said, no, I'm, going, I'm me and Palmer are going on that trip, period. So I appreciate you guys affording me that opportunity. I don't think it's that big of a deal to you. But, uh, but that's why you saw it on, on video. Because we were already in the car heading to St. Louis. Now, uh, when we plan these, these trips, I usually plan them for about three days. They're not long, but they're very intentional. I plan them months in advance. And they're, they're based on the values that I'm trying to cultivate in my son's life. So one of the things that was important on the trip was relationship building. I want Palmer to learn how to have male intimacy with his father. Guys are not very good at this, are we? I want me and my son to be good at this. Second thing is I want to, uh, to help him mature from a boy into a man. So we did things that stretched his courage on that trip. I want him to flex his courage muscle. I want him to catch a vision for what it looks like to, to become a, a man someday. And so there were some strategic curated experiences that we did together. The last one was teaching. One specific truth that I'm trying to teach him this year as he moves through the, the first grade and we spent a lot, a lot of time studying it. Uh, and we did it over lots of candy, lots of pizza and lots of donuts to make it rememberable. Oh, and I also introduced him to the greatest baseball movie ever on the trip, Sandlot. <laughs> and I think that's all he remembered about the trip at this point. It's like, what do you remember about the trip, son? Say Jesus, say Jesus. We watched Sandlot and Mighty Ducks. Okay. It was a good trip. I think I got some pictures of it. Here's a picture of, a, of us at Bush Stadium. Next one's a picture of us at the St. Louis Zoo when the hippo opened his eyes. That was great. And then, um, you know, at, the, at a ropes course, he was just dominating it. It was a good time. Okay, last key. Last, again, this small thing I'm doing. Relationship building, relationship building. Um, right now, the relationship that I'm focusing on with my son is uh, his relationship with the church. This community of believers. Um, so what we do is every week uh, we go to church. That's it. Every week we go to church. Now this is interesting. He's a pre any preacher's kids in the room? Real quick, just by a show of hands. Preacher's kids. So a few, few. Okay, got gotcha. you. When you're a preacher's kid, your relationship with the church is a little different than everyone else's. It's just different. It can actually be unhealthy. If you're not careful, you feel like you're growing up in a fishbowl. You feel like everybody's watching you. You feel like you're held to this ridiculous high standard and you have to perform, turn it on when you come into the doors. And it can just become boring because you're at church all the time. So um, it's this weird line that Lindsay and I are trying to, to walk with our kids and with other staff kids where we want them to realize that church is non-negotiable. This community is a part of our life for so many reasons, but it can be enjoyable as well, so enjoyable. You're special to this family, son. You're special to this family, daughter. So we show up every week and our staff's really intentional about making sure our staff kids feel a little extra love. Look, we take care of your kids. We're looking out for your kids. Here's what I would ask you on behalf of our staff. Look out for our kids as well. If you see a pastor's kid running around, just know it's a little different from, for them in the halls of this church. You know, do, do what you can to make them love this place because man, we want them to love this place. All right, I hope that was helpful. That's me, small habit. Big moment, relationship building. What are you gonna do? Here, here's my advice, by the way. This is not our forever plan. This is our for now plan. I think you should be reevaluating your plans with your kids on an annual basis, just based on where your kids are at. Okay, my advice is that your vision will change a little, your values will change a little bit more, and your plan will actually change a lot. 
You change a lot over time. Change factors include things like, I don't know, discovering more about your kid's personality and interests, discovering their strengths and weaknesses. You are going to confront unique and unexpected opportunities. You're also gonna confront unique and unexpected adversity. All of those should change your plan. Our culture will change. And so the false gospels and temptations that they face will change. You will have different time and resource limitations. Puberty's gonna change them. Like all the things are gonna be affecting your plan. So just be willing to tweak it over time. That's okay. okay. My point is not feel locked into this plan. I want you to cast a vision, create a plan for the next year, and then continue to circle back and reevaluate it. All right. We do me a favor. Will you stand with me here real quick before we take communion? And I want to offer a, a prayer of blessing and benediction over you. I'll remind you before I do that, all four of these worksheets are online. Go find them later. Go do them with your friends, family, your spouse. And do them because you want to be an intentional parent. Somebody's going to disciple your son. Somebody's going to raise your daughter. Somebody's going to form your kids on how to live. It's either going to be you and a community of godly people, or it's going to be someone else. And there ain't nobody else that could be more influential on their life than you. So take that task, that ministry from God, seriously. Receive this word of blessing and benediction today, parents. May it never be said that your kid thinks there's more wisdom to gain from YouTube than from you. <laughs> May they never think that personal ambition takes priority over their formation. May it be you who are the one who gives them the skills they need to thrive. Uh, may they know you intimately. May they know the Bible deeply. May they know Jesus personally. May they have a community of mentors, coaches, and elders that you placed in their path. May their richest experiences be ones that you curated and planned with the utmost care. May you feel confident when the day comes and they fly the nest, eager to see them set the world afire. And may they hug your neck on that day and say, thank you, dad. Thank you, mom. I'll never forget those mornings. I'll never forget those trips. I'll never forget the path you prepared. I'll never forget the man, the woman that you are. I'm ready. You did it. Thank you. In Jesus' name, I pray this over me, and I pray this over all of you. Amen.